Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Marty Stetzer, president of EKT Interactive in Houston. This podcast is brought to you jointly with Upstream Intelligence in the UK and is part of our oil and gas learning network. Today, our topic is data-driven efficiencies in oil and gas. With an estimated global value of $31 billion by 2020, the digital oil field is the oil and gas industry's hotbed of innovation. It now includes big data analytics, artificial intelligence, and the Industrial Internet of Things, or IoT. Today, as podcast and media partner for Upstream Intelligence, I'll be speaking with John Archer. He's an industry veteran, now focused on oil and gas data management applications as the Senior Energy Application Solution Architect at Red Hat Software. John will be presenting at the May 2018 Upstream Intelligence Data-Driven Drilling and Production Conference in Houston. So, John, welcome. Hi, Marty. Thanks for having me. John, can you give our listeners your background and a brief scope of of, uh, what Red Hat is up to in this space today? Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, Yeah, and I never know whether I should do this forwards or backwards, but uh, I'm currently, you know, at Red Hat where, you know, we're one of the, I think everyone knows this as a Linux company, of course, but uh, we do a lot of other things. And um, I'll talk about a little bit of that today, but I've spent time at uh, Oracle, at uh, BA Systems. Company called Silverstream. If you're a little little older, you might have heard of. But these are all Java-based enterprise software firms. And um, I've worked in energy, federal, state, and local. Did a lot of time in uh, DoD, doing some fun things there uh, that I can't talk about. Uh, but um, in any case, mostly been on the enterprise Java side for uh, integration software. Uh, used to do a lot of RFID stuff as well in the past. So talking about IoT had a history there doing RFID type of business. But mostly what I've been trying to do is help companies, you know, become better software firms themselves, right? Used to be in engineering roles where I actually used to build products. Uh, but since I moved back to uh, Texas, I've been um, mostly in a uh, pre-sales engineer type of position. Uh, did take a little break, worked for a company called Petrus, which is now Landmark, and took a product management position there where we were doing... Um, Upstream G&G data management, uh, doing data quality, you know, helping just, you know, kind of break down the silos, uh, almost kind of like ETL for, you know, well logs and seismic data, things of that nature. So, John, we really appreciate you participating. When you and I talked over some podcast ideas, one of your comments was really interesting to me as an oil and gas veteran. And I'd like to start there. You said that today there are both physical and technical challenges to implementing digital applications in oil and gas. For our listeners, can you elaborate on that point? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think um, a lot of folks, particularly on the unconventional side, have uh, gotten to a point through hook or crook uh, just to go as fast as they can, right? And uh, for instance, there's um, a lot of folks, I think, dealing with sand and water issues, you know out uh, in these frack wells. And um, there's a lot of inefficiencies in the way uh, most of my customers are running these businesses today. They have uh, assets deployed. Maybe they know where they're at. Maybe they don't. They've got service companies hired and visibility to their, you know, their safety training, to their their skills with the particular equipment and whatnot. And at the same time, we've got things like, you know, autonomous rigs coming online and, you know, 
a lot of robotics and a lot of other um, remote capabilities where we're trying to, you know, reduce the windshield time as a way to drive uh, business uh, improvements. Um, that being said, also then on the IT side, we've got, you know, a more uh, command and control type of uh, deployments in some of these IT shops, right? IT guys may not even be aware of what their OT counterparts are doing. Um, there's a lot of shadow IT as well. And yeah, this creates fiefdoms and fights and, you know, headaches for all folks trying, you know, there's a lot of people in there that really have, there's some really smart people. A lot of my customers and you know, a lot of times they're in a position or in a role where they're not able to um, uh, be as efficient or as, uh, as helpful as they would like uh, due to the, uh, the structure of the organization. So I think where we really try to focus is helping speed up what, what we call DevOps, right? And this is being able to you know, kick tires more quickly to experiment, right? Uh, to architecturally build things that um, are more organic, right? I, I, I talk in how systems can potentially be integrated better to act as one a lot and um, getting folks that can leverage all these newer technologies like you know, Docker and Kubernetes and a lot of other exciting things like you know Python and all these IoT and big data technologies. You know, what we're really trying to do is help drive efficiencies by allowing uh, business events from real things on the OT side get into the back office IT as seamlessly as possible without, uh, you know, trying to reduce as many headaches uh, between, you know, what happens on a rig or what happens on a production site versus the data scientists in the back office trying to help, you know, improve that uh, operation. John, that's really interesting. I had the uh, full supply chain when I was head of materials at Superior Oil. We never missed a well review meeting, and we had control of the the pipe from the time it was in the, uh, let's say, the mill until it was loaded on a barge at Cameron. One of our issues was modeling the full supply chain. Is that really an issue in what we're seeing in let's say, uh, the shale, as you mentioned earlier, with all the different components that are trying to get together. Is is modeling the issue or is actually the tools to help with the modeling the issue, is it, if you know what I mean? Yeah, so uh, good question. Um, yeah, I think, I think <laughs> um, we're always doomed uh, if we don't really um, understand what's happened before us, right? There's a, there's a lot of uh, folks that have full understanding of how things are. And unfortunately, a lot of these people get shuffled around quite a bit. And so the, the intelligence of an organization is always um, a constant uh, thing in motion where, you know, by the time someone perfectly understands something, they're usually on to something else. I've seen that quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, so the ability to have built-in intelligence in the org and the processes for how we get things done, you know, there's been tons of process optimization in, in parts of all organizations I've seen in from the service companies to the actual operators and um, the data that they create and leave behind is um, there's always challenges and, you know, cleaning up that process and getting control of the data that goes along with that. Um, You know, from actually, you know, we're looking at things now, things like digital twins, right? Where uh, we're trying to have a software replica of what's on the rig. And then all the asset 
management pieces that can be driven off of that that concept. Um, and, you know, there's older systems that did a very good job of that, right? Uh, I think what these newer technologies were kind of it's a it's a we're redoing some of these things. Like, like I look at um, stuff like uh, Eclipse Vorto project and what the Mimosa project is, for instance, with its CCOM schemas as being the same thing, just, you know, they don't know about each other, right? So, you know, organizations are trying to come up with their digital twin and um, it's just having a, a, being able to step back a little bit and look at what's what's out there and be able to leverage things versus always having to re recreate the wheel. Um, I think a lot of people in IT or in, I'll fault software developers here too. It's like, if they didn't build it, they don't, they don't trust it, right? So, and that's something that we're always fighting is, you know, Re, you know, to promote reuse, you have to want to reuse things. And that's something that uh, not every uh, organization or even individuals are, are, are want to do. So as part of, you know, how we can, you know, model out some of these things, we're working with a few partners, you know, on the edge computing side, we uh, work with a company like Eurotech, who actually has um, IoT gateway software that's part of the Eclipse IoT Foundation. Uh, there's a project called Eclipse Cura that we use uh, their upstream, or excuse me, their downstream versions called ESF. And so we can deploy that to, you know, edge computing devices to help collect that data. Uh, and then we also then work with folks, uh, there's a company called Ipcos that's uh, been kind of more of a software integration and petroleum engineering company that's really focused on upstream. And these folks can help not only understand the data as it's coming in, but then help optimize how, you know, what type of optimizations would make sense to then deploy as an application to fill in workflow gaps, resolve, you know, any type of bottlenecks. Uh, so how you, once you have that data, how you then get the value out of it, you need folks that really understand the domain. And Epicos is a company we work with that can help provide that. John, you mentioned in one of your earlier comments, the organizational silos, have, have you seen the shift to asset management teams is, is kind of helping with that part of the problem? Yeah, uh, let me say it this way. Um, a lot of my customers, particularly, I'll say the super majors, are in a constant state of reorg, right? Um, it, and, it's, um, and this is on the IT side and the OT side. The service companies obviously are much smaller than what they were a few years ago. I think that's starting to rebound a little bit, but yeah, the um, I think sometimes managers reorg because they want to feel like they've done something. I, I, I hate to say it that way, but sometimes the reorgs there is definitely getting from an IT or developer DevOps type of thinking. Aligning to the service is how we we try to drive how organizations should be constructed. So if I'm building out, you know, an API first microservice, you know, thing where it's like, I want to go create the thing that gives me a list of all the wells inside of an organization, for instance. For a lot of companies, that's very hard. And um, particularly, you know, you would think that, that wouldn't be that tough, but it is. But then think about, I want to then go create an optimization process, right, for, for my assets. That's going to be even, that's even much more complicated in some cases. And so um, based upon the type of asset that it is, the, the how well we know how to operate it ourselves versus the service companies that uh, we leverage to, to manage that asset. You know, I think 
most companies are still, they're at the beginning of getting more intelligence around how they operate an asset around, you know, why is this team, do, how, why is these guys able to go a thousand feet a day and these guys go 500 feet a day, right? And obviously the subsurface characteristics impact that, but there's, you know, there's teams that get better at doing certain things. And it's trying to figure out how to capture that knowledge and share it in the org and somehow instill that uh, across uh, multiple teams and multiple geographies is uh, something that, you know, I think all, particularly the, the larger firms are, are really uh, focused on. When we were talking about uh, topics for the podcast, you mentioned that you had a uh, work with Energistics in the data standards side. And we've had a good relationship with Energistics since 2012. Will the standards help what we're trying to do with some of this full value chain optimization, or are they going to be a hindrance to be, you know, as a question? Yeah, I, I like a part of our what you know. I've been in and out of uh, the POS now Energistics uh, throughout many years. Uh, actually, used to work for David Archer, who's over at uh, PDS now, and uh, you know they've open sourced their ETP implementation, right? And uh, I can maybe claim to help uh, poke them that way or not. I'm not sure. Maybe they are always thinking that. But it's interesting to see someone actually open sourcing, uh, you know, their efforts, right? And making sure, you know, learning to trust uh, uh, an industry uh, is something that, uh, you know, I can, you know, without going too far off the rails here, you know, Hal Burton's created this thing called the OEC, right? And what you're saying, hey, it's a community, but if you donate any IP, it's ours. Well, PDS and their ETP um, um, implementation is an open source that anyone can go and grab and play with and fork themselves, right? The maturity of how we build software in oil and gas industry, I think uh, PDS is helping lead the way a little bit here. Energistics themselves are trying to figure out how to build a community that's active and uh, participates openly um, to everyone's um you know, you know, all all boats float kind of mentality is what they're trying to drive towards. And uh, we're, you know, we've talked to um, some of the Energistics folks about how Red Hat sees software and how communities can be built and how we can help um, create the right incentive structures. You know, there's a, um, you know, Red Hat talks about um, the way you run a community is through a, a meritocracy. And um, so we try to advocate that uh, not only for our own projects, but then for how other organizations can uh, be designed uh, as well. So I think Energistics has uh, done a real good job in you know being the stewards of these these uh, these protocols around the schemas and now the transfer protocol. And definitely think that um, you know ETP can definitely be able to help, especially for the high latency networks and where we're trying to transfer a lot of data from a well log that they're going to have a way to help reduce the, like the SATCOM bill, for instance, by adopting that protocol. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly the uptake is on folks moving to ETP uh, for the WITSML stuff. Um, vendors like site, you know, Kongsberg and those folks, I think are, are already uh, have their stuff working there as well. And um, you know, Red Hat's been looking at helping uh, advise advise them around some of the security uh, standards that they're, they're specifying in the protocol. And so, yeah, we definitely like to be able to help out with things like that. We're also looking to help 
try to drive some auto IT automation uh, with like our Ansible stack and be able to help, you know, deploy things uh, on the edge, you know, do low touch or no touch provisioning uh, for the edge compute, as well as even on the back end, uh, back end IT as well. John, that was, that was terrific. Uh, the explanation on, on how they're focusing on a GNG, I just hadn't picked up in my working uh, recently with Energistics. But while we're talking about organizations, when I spoke with Dave Montana, he said Red Hat has a really solid relationship with the SHPCP, which for our listeners stands for Society of High Performance Computing Professionals. I have a two-part question. What do they do, and is there a benefit to oil and gas companies being involved with SHPCP? Or a three-part question, or, or are some of them already involved? Yeah, yeah, sir, certainly. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're working, uh, you know, with Gary Krauss at the Society of HPC Professionals. So they're, they're a group that really focus on high-performance computing. So, you know, I think a lot of folks understand that for taking seismic data and make it look interesting to, uh, to uh, subsurface engineers, uh, to GNG uh, folks, geomechanics, geophysicists, whatever, uh, you need a lot of raw horsepower. and um, there's different applications that can take advantage of that, you know, uh, in a, you know, if you've got a, uh, one of these high end graphics cards sitting underneath your desk, you can be pretty productive at your job. Uh, but those are, um, maybe hard to come by, or maybe you're not in the office where your $10,000 workstation is, and you like to still be able to do some work. The HPC folks have really focused on how to, you know, do, uh, uh, GPU type work remotely, um, and uh, also try to do um, you know uh, virtualization around the GPU. Uh, we're also working on things where you could do general purpose GPU, like for data scientists, like guys that are running TensorFlow applications or Python applications, and they want to speed those things up. You know, being able to use an HPC cluster with uh, GPU cards in it. Is something that uh, we've been supporting. I think most folks, that's, you know, I say most folks in oil and gas know us as a Linux company and they know us, you know, because some folks are using Red Hat, some folks are using CentOS, uh, which is, um, you know, a, a different flavor of Red Hat uh, that's unsupported. And uh, they use those OSs to power most of the HPC environments uh, in most of the oil and gas companies. And so, you know, we've had a long, a long, um, you know, that's, that's where we can interact with folks that are trying out new things and uh, kicking the tires around uh, some of the newer features of how, you know, we're adding uh, this, the GPU support not only into RHEL 7.4, but it's, it's now shown up in the Red Hat virtualization layer. Now supports also uh, GPUs. Um, also in OpenShift, we can now, uh, you know, use tags to uh, do... A, what we're starting to call performance pods. So if you're familiar with OpenShift and how you can spin up uh, Docker images and uh, orchestrate them through the Kubernetes layer, I can now say this job gets to use GPUs with just a simple tag. And so, you know, I can take my, you know, my data science load where I know I can take advantage of that GPU and then share that card throughout any of my data science users, for instance. John, thanks. Red Hat sure has come a long way building on its Linux heritage. 
And I'm sure these insights will surely be valuable to the upstream intelligence and EKT interactive listeners, especially those as familiar with the IT technologies as you are. Do you have anything to add if our listeners need more information? Or again, a two-part point. Would you like to give them an idea of what you'll cover in your presentation at the upcoming conference in May? Yeah, sure. We're going to, you know, for folks that were there last year that saw my uh, predictive maintenance demo, we're going to kind of build on top of that. And so we were, you know, showing off some IoT things where we're pulling data off of a pump and, you know, showing alerts for a vibration type of thing. Uh, But we're going to show that round trip to the data scientists. So we'll complete that. Uh, But then we'll also talk about overall how we can uh, help optimize uh, a field. You know, there's a, there's another capability that Red Hat has. Uh, we've got a, a a mathematician that's was trying to solve one of those million dollar math problems uh, called the uh, the PNP problem, and so being able to solve for uh, P predictably once, but I cannot solve for P n number of times predictably. Basically, this is a tool that can optimize pretty much anything if you feed it the right data. So taking edge computing information over our messaging layer and feeding it to this tool is one way to help optimize um, uh, all your resources that have constraints uh, for how oil and gas does business around the frack business. So water, sand, people, trucks, you know, rigs, all that uh, can be fed to this thing and, um, and then help you not only build out schedules, but routes and help you plan your, your, your operations better. So we're going to talk about that primarily at the conference. And I hope everyone can come out and ask questions and understand uh, this, this, this capability, how it can be applied, applied better to the oil and gas folks. John, again, I appreciate your time. I look forward to meeting you at the conference. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. To learn more about how the important oil and gas industry works, Be sure to check out our free Oil 101 series at www.ektinteractive.com. It is now mobile ready, and you can watch and listen on your phone. Thanks again for listening.